This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Stuart Varney. I'm Harris Faulkner. I'm Brian Kilmeade, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, April 26, 2022. I'm Eben Brown. U.S. officials now say Russia's war on Ukraine only ends when Russia suffers a military defeat. But who makes that happen? They have to be forced to the negotiating table through a military hard force. Uh, unfortunately, that is how this regime works. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. Following a visit to Ukraine, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin say Russia's war in Ukraine can only come to an end if it is in fact defeated. The defeat may not just be a military defeat, but also a defeat in morale and esteem and the personal defeat of Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. I was uh, happy to hear the Secretary of Defense, Austin, you know, actually say some strong words um, on uh, what our strategy is, because frankly, it hasn't been very clear what the U.S. strategy is in this war. We've been helping Ukraine, supplying Ukraine with military and security assistance at an increasingly high level. Uh, but what are we really trying to do with all of that assistance and all the funding we're providing Ukraine? Dr. Alina Polyakova is president of the Center for European Policy Analysis. She discusses why Russia will only stop its aggression if it feels the rest of the world will recognize its land gains, but that Russian influence is what they're really after. Are we looking for Ukraine to win? Uh, are we looking for Russia to be weakened? Um, these are the kinds of questions that uh, have been circulating. And you know, Secretary of Defense is very clear. You know, we are looking to weaken Russia so that we don't have this situation on our hands going forward. And that is very much, obviously, in the broader interest of the United States to not have a, a nuclear power like Russia invading uh, countries in its neighborhood and thinking they can get away with it. You know, at this point, given the kinds of atrocities we've seen the Russian military commit in Ukraine, I frankly don't think that uh, Mr. Putin um, or those around him deserve much respect uh, from the international community, and certainly not from the United States. Uh, Every day we hear more and more uh, war crimes, uh, horrible acts of violence being committed against innocent civilians in Ukraine. We don't know the full extent of what's really been happening on the ground uh, as Russian forces are occupying more territory. We don't know what's happening in these places like Mariupol. Uh, And I venture to guess it's all quite uh, awful um, and inhumane. And when you have a government like that, a leader like that, who's obviously endorsing these kinds of practices and giving awards to Russian military units who are committing these atrocities, I don't think that's the kind of leader that deserves Uh, much respect on the world stage. 
perhaps the, uh, the the biggest lesson learned about World War II was the initial appeasement of Adolf Hitler, uh, how it, it, it essentially emboldened him to continue his rampage through Europe. Um, and there had been the, the hindsight analysis of we should have stopped him sooner and more definitively. Right. Uh, that lesson does not seem to be heeded here, at least not with the full force of, of the Western European and United States military. There's been a, 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 a lot of obvious support, both mili- you know, in terms of military supply and money. Uh, there is certainly the acknowledgement of what's happening. Uh, one of the, uh, again, the retrospectives of World War II was that uh, the, uh, the mass genocide was unknown until the camps were discovered when they were liberated. Uh, but uh, that, that, that obviously is, is, is well known now. We have real-time, full-color images of things happening in places like Bucha and Mariupol and, and whatnot. Um, did, are, are, we, are we causing another problem in the same way by our actions here? And by us, I mean collectively the, the West, whether it's NATO, whether it's the United States, whether it's uh, Europe, however you want to uh, uh, collectivize that. Well, I think it's true that we did have lots and lots of opportunities uh, to deter Mr. Putin when we started to, I think, understand, at least some some of us did, uh, what kind of man he was, what kind of regime uh, he wanted to lead. You know, we saw Russia invade Georgia in 2008 and then commit all kinds of violations of international law following that invasion, cyber attacks. Um, hacking jobs, uh, data leaks, you know, poisoning people on European soil and elsewhere. I mean, the list could go on and on, um, killing journalists um, in Russia and others. Uh, and we just didn't want to accept that this is who we had to deal with uh, in the Kremlin. And uh, over and over again, uh, we wanted to do a reset. We wanted to have some sort of stable and reliable relationship. Uh, and every time, uh, Mr. Putin has made it very clear that he's not interested. And so I think now that has become painfully obvious, especially to the many Ukrainians who are losing their lives uh, in this fight. Uh, but we are where we are. So I think the question is, you know, what do we do now? Uh, what does the future look like? Uh, and certainly I think your point about uh, the lessons learned from World War II are still very, very relevant, that these kinds of imperialistic leaders um, who see themselves as great leaders of nations, who have a vision for the world that is devoid from reality, uh, who are willing to commit horrible crimes against humanity um, to install their vision of the world and uh, force uh, innocence into that vision of the world who don't want to be a part of it. These are very dangerous people. And negotiating with these kinds of people and giving them an inch uh, means they're going to want to take a mile. So that's why having some sort of negotiated compromise after Russia has committed so many brutalities in Ukraine will send the wrong message. You know, send the message that we accept what you have done here and we're willing to still treat you as a partner um, at the negotiating table. To be clear, the only way that Russia will be interested in coming to the negotiating table in a sincere and genuine way, which they haven't done so far in this war, is that they have to. That means they have to be forced to the negotiating table through 
uh, military hard force. Uh, unfortunately, that is how this regime works. They only respect hard power. They do not respect diplomacy, as we've seen. The Biden administration in Europe has tried this um, in the lead up to the war. It obviously didn't work. Uh, they respect hard power. And, you know, frankly, we haven't thrown everything we could um, at, at this conflict. You know, the U.S. is the uh, greatest military uh, in the world, and we haven't obviously put in our full capacities. I'm not saying that we should, but we haven't. And certainly uh, Europe has a huge responsibility, and most European countries, unfortunately, have been too slow to respond. I'm talking specifically about some of the big players in Europe, like Germany and France, mm -hmm. uh, who need to really step up uh, their security and military assistance to Ukraine in a way that we haven't seen them do so far. You've been listening to Dr. Alina Polyakova, the president of the Center for European Policy Analysis, on the Fox News rundown, War on Ukraine. We'll have more straight ahead. One of the, uh, I think, the best or, or um, recurring analyses of this is uh, the uh, the desire of Vladimir Putin to reestablish the the Russian cultural and economic dominance of uh, in the Eastern world. Uh, uh, people have used the phrase to reconstruct the Soviet Union. I don't think that that's exactly what he wants to do, but he certainly wants the influence. And one of his generals sort of let slip the other day that they have plans to uh, continue on past Ukraine to Moldova. Uh, to probably, one would have to think, Transnistria, uh, which is uh, still a, a Russian enclave outside of the, the main Russian Federation. There's also, I think it's Kaliningrad on the other side of Lithuania. That's right. The, Moldova, like Ukraine, is not a NATO nation, uh, and uh, there would probably be, um, I, I guess, resistance to the West in, in trying to uh, actively stop another invasion of yet another country. Lithuania, I think, would be different. Uh, but are, are we are we seeing the early phase of this of him trying to make land bridges to these Russian outlying provinces, if that's the the right term for them? Certainly, what's happening in Ukraine is not just about Ukraine. And again, if Mr. Putin wins in Ukraine, which we don't really know what that looks like for the Russian side, they keep changing their goals and strategies. Uh, but from the very beginning, it was very obvious that the invasion of Ukraine in February. Uh, was part of a bigger plan, a bigger vision. Um, clearly, what we have seen over time is that the vision of you know, quickly taking over the U Ukraine's capital, Kiev, probably installing some sort of puppet regime there didn't work. So now we have a different military tactic focusing on Ukraine's east and just doing as much of a land grab as uh, the Russians can there. But this isn't going to stop with Ukraine. So if we have a situation where the Russian... Uh, military occupies a large portion of Ukraine, much larger than they did, let's say, in 2014, which was just Crimea and these uh, two small so-called uh, people's republics in the Luhansk and Donetsk. They're going to regroup and they will move forward into these non-NATO states where they already have established so-called frozen conflicts. And I think the big lesson learned uh, from the situation we're in now in Ukraine is that frozen conflicts are not frozen. In fact, they often become launching pads for more aggressive military action, which is exactly how this war started. Uh, we have you know, so-called frozen conflict, as you mentioned, in Moldova. Um, in uh, Georgia, there are two of those uh, from the 2008-2009 war, the Nagorno-Karabakh, 
uh, conflict in Armenia and Azerbaijan. So there are lots of opportunities uh, where the Russian military could regroup, and that could take a year, it could take three years, it could take 10 years uh, before they uh, recover from some of these losses. But once they do, they will move into these non-NATO countries. And I think the big lesson for uh, many countries that are close to Russia, including countries like Finland, not just those uh, that were part of the Soviet bloc, is that if you're not aligned, if you're not part of a defensive alliance like NATO, well, then you're fair game for, for the Russians. Uh, so that's why we're seeing countries like Finland, who have an advanced military, who share a huge border with Russia, uh, now likely moving towards NATO membership, which was never on the agenda right. uh, for countries like Finland. So that's the message learned, I think, from most of these states, um, that if you're not part of NATO, uh, then you're prey. Dr. Alina Polyakova, the president of the Center for European Policy Analysis. Thank you for being with us on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.